Welcome to another episode of the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show, where we go swimming through conversations about improv, creativity, and art. My name is Travis Cox, and today we're talking game tape. Like athletes in the film room, we review our most recent improv show by observing and outlining the details of our craft. Why? Because we are straight up addicted to improv, and in some way or another, watching the tape helps us get a little better and learn a little more every day. In this episode, Andrew and I chat about surprising yourself, how being slower and weirder can be a lot of fun, and the constant struggle to dream faster. As you'll notice in this episode, Anatasha was not with us. She was off on some secret mission from MI6. Surprised? Yeah. We didn't know she was British either. Enjoy Game Tape. You're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. So yeah, we are talking Game Tape. Uh, This is a reference to our show on February the... Third? Oh, that's the third. 2021, February 3rd. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're live. Our suggestion that we pulled from our suggestion box for today's show was uh, something about a bank deposit <laughs> box. Was that what it was? Security deposit box? Safety, safety deposit box. <laughs> safety deposit box. Excellent. Your memory is really good. How old are you? Hmm? I'm uh, 28. Yeah, right. 28 that's my story i'm sticking to it yeah okay i want to compliment you because right from the get-go at the top of the show i broke two quote-unquote improv rules whoa the very first thing i did okay was essentially ask you a question right tell me the plan which is not the way you're supposed to start an improv scene Repeat it back to me. What's the plan? Repeat it back to me. All right. I enter the bank. I go up to the teller. I shoot the teller. No. And then the next thing I did was say no. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I, I think specifically with that, I felt like you accepted my offer because I did mean to escalate it to a point where you would have a problem with it. I'm shooting the teller. What you're not the- shooting. You're not shooting the teller. Oh, I'm not teller. shooting the teller. Yeah, How okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. That's what I thought, but then I got confused. And so I just said shoot because he'd rather shoot than not shoot, right? If you ever no. get to a point where you don't know if you should shoot or not, you shoot. I actually felt like you accepted that offer really nicely. Okay, good. Yeah. That's good to hear. It reminds me, I know our last game take, I think I mentioned Dave Rosowski, but this also reminds me of something he said. He used to ask, what does your scene partner want you to say? Which is like a really hard thing to think about, but that is another way of yes ending. Now that I know that you felt that way, that's like me tuning it as like, I think he wants me to, say no to his plan which sort of gave the scene some legs yeah it totally did but i will say that i think i'm i'm picking up on kind of energetically what you're speaking to which is i feel like we spent a lot of the scene 
and a lot of the scenes tonight in conflict. And it felt like it was just a lot of like back and forth of conflict, which isn't always the easiest way to, you know, build a world in an improv scene. Yeah, that's a good point. All of the scenes today were pretty high stakes and we were sort of in opposition with each other. That's a good point. I hadn't really, I don't think I had really noticed that. Yeah, it was every single thing was life or death. I mean, I it's a it's a crux of mine to immediately have it be life or death or to mention that I'm I'm going to kill you if this doesn't go my way. No, no, look, no. I do not take lightly to people who do not want to pay, all right? Okay? Well, look, I mean, this could and, be a lot a lawsuit for you. Gary's you serve serving me food with John Lithgow, but I'm clearly an Alfred Molina lookalike. I mean, my god. What do you have, a death wish? Yeah, something that we try to work on, especially since working with like Cook County and Greg Hess, is this idea that every show has its own set of rules. Like every show has its own form that we sort of discover along the way. And this show's set of rules was that there were a couple of things that, that had through lines through the show. One was that we were interacting through the camera and you started that by knocking the drink out of my hand in the first scene. And then it happened again in the second scene with uh, when you took the bread from me. And then it happened in the third scene when we were slapping each other. So that was like the first thing that I noticed, like, oh, this is sort of a through line of this show is that we're physically interacting through our cameras. But then secondly was, I don't know if you want to call it dramaville or melodrama, but these life and death stakes that we're always going to find a way to escalate to a breaking point. Yeah, I think so. It felt very much like each scene was kind of rhyming on the one before it. That's a good way to put it. I like that rhyming on the one before it. You had a lot of fantastic, truthful responses I noticed throughout the show when watching it back. Like truthful responses when the fire was started in the first scene. Smash, smash. Ah, that was a $25,000 bottle of cognac. Strike, strike, strike. Don't you like this place? No, Mickey, no, what have you done? Learning that the owner of the restaurant, Big Joe, killed people. He shot three people yesterday. Three people. He shot them. And you know what I had to do? I had to hide the bodies, okay? So you got to keep your fucking cool, all right? Till we figure out how you're going to give money, pay for this meal, all right? Oh, boy. Okay? Oh, boy. To cutting off your finger in the pirate mugging scene. See, things are easy when you communicate, all right? This is just about communicating, all right? All right? Communication, it is important here, all right? I think we were really endeavoring to try and absorb moments and make them meaningful to our characters. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. That is something I've been trying to work on, especially after our last show with Jet, just sort of being a good actor. Yeah. You know, and just tr truthfully reacting to the things, which was a challenge in this show because the things that ended up going on were so big and so high that I probably could have, when I watched back, I, I saw myself reacting to those moments truthfully and honestly. But my actor brain, I feel like, got ahead of my writer and director brain. Does that make sense? 
Sure, absolutely. My finger getting cut off is probably the best one. You cut my finger off in the scene and I started reacting to having a finger gone and like bleeding everywhere. And my actor brain was just like, oh, this is gross and painful and there's blood. And I I stopped really contributing to the scene. I didn't I didn't add anything. I didn't give you anything to work with. I didn't the the scene sort of lost all of its shape because my actor brain took over of what would it really be like to have your finger cut off? Yeah, I I, I can't speak for you, but I know that I caught myself like choking on the spaghetti in the restaurant scene and in the interview room when we were slapping each other, there were these fun physical bits uh, that I kind of got stuck in. And I think it was because I was like, I was having fun with them, but more than that, it was using it as an opportunity not to go deeper in the relationship to make other things or, or make choices that would push that along. I think I noticed for the first time really a, what's the word, like hesitation, even though I'm still having fun. It's like taking a bit probably past the point that it should go. I think that's such a tricky thing to do, especially when things get going and especially when the stakes are high and especially when we're already having so much fun. Because to me, this show was super fun. I was laughing at you the whole time. I was enjoying myself. And it is tricky as when the show has that much energy to keep that balance. For if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, we there's sort of this idea that we've embraced in our improv that at all times the the improviser is the actor, but they're also the writer and they're the director. So not only are you acting on your emotional impulses and chasing your you know, your objective as an actor, but you're also in charge of like the blocking as a director and the pace and the rhythm and the volume. And then obviously as a writer, you also are coming up with the words and like making sure you're progressing the scene and, and throwing daggers and, and doing all these. So there's a lot that you're trying to juggle and it's, it's really hard to make sure that each part of your brain has an equal role and to not get one overpowering the other. This show, I think maybe we both, our actors got a little out of control. Yeah. And I know also, I think my writer brain, I think I was talking too much. And something that I noticed, which I, I want to blame on Zoom lag, but I don't know if I can do that. I think it goes back deeper than that, is that it makes empty space in a scene seem more unintentional. Oh, we're lagging. Oh, there's empty space that I feel like is making me anxious, this empty space. It's like, I feel like I need to fill it with something. And so I have this compulsion to do that. And sometimes I think it results in over talking mm. going forward. I'm going to be looking for those moments to really just ground myself even more. That's a such a good observation because I feel like, I do that every show. This show, I was making a conscious effort to feel more, talk less. And as I watch the show back, there are some times where I'm like, oh, I can see, like in the, in the restaurant scene, I'm like, oh, good. I did sort of like pace it out. I unfolded the information in a sort of patient way. Yeah, it looks like he left me with the bill oh um 
this is so embarrassing. Um, the thing is, I wore my skinny, my skinniest jeans, and there wasn't room. My wallet wouldn't fit in the pockets. Um, I was trying to show oh. off my, I was trying to show off my junk and skinny jeans. You see. I could still be better, but there are moments where I could see that like, oh, putting some intention towards that helped me today. But I totally relate to that idea of feeling pressure to just talk, to fill the silence. So it's like when you're on a stage, something else that I noticed lacking tonight for me was use of short distance and long distance world, seeing objects in front of you that you can interact with. That's your short distance world and long distance world would be a mountain in the distance or big Joe standing in the corner of the restaurant that looks like Alfred Molina and definitely not like John Lithgow. Sort of looks like John Lithgow. Uh, I would say more like Alfred Molina. Mm, that's a, he's a John Lithgow type. No, I'd say Alfred Molina. No, tell me he looks, I don't, I can't look back. He'll know if, he'll know if I look, tell me. See, Alfred well, Molina I don't look. know. I don't know. The John Lithgow guy is looking right at us. I don't see an Alfred Molina Doc guy. Doc Ock. Doc Ock. Doc. No, I know who Alfred Molina is, but I'm Do just. Do you know I'm saying, who Alfred Molina? He's a dead yeah. ringer. No, he that that's a John Lithgow type. He has a way fuller head of hair than John Lithgow does. Can I put you on blast right now? You described your boss as bald. Did I? Yeah, you did. Watch the tape. I'm gonna play it right now. Is he watching us right now? He's the bald man, the heavy set man. Oh no. <laughs> that just shows you that I wasn't even thinking. I was talking so fast, I didn't even understand what was coming out of my mouth. I'm sorry to do that to you. I should that a good teammate should not throw each other under the bus. I got tire tracks from years and years of you throwing me under the bus. So I'm used to it. Okay, good. So long distance and short distance world it's easier to interact with on a stage because you're not looking at a phone or a camera that's like a foot in front of your face. And it feels more awkward looking around your camera or looking down away from camera, but I think it's needed. And so I think something just I noticed for myself is that my dreaming has gotten a little bit weaker since we started playing because the camera is awkward and it's just it's something that i have to relearn now with the camera i feel the exact same way and i had the exact same thought just dreaming more specifically and dreaming the whole world all of the things i dreamed just like very limited like just what was right in front of me is all i dreamed instead of building the whole world around me and it's tricky over zoom it is harder i almost want to put up a black sheet behind me so that I feel like I'm more in like a more versatile space. I don't know if that would make a difference or not. Yeah, I mean, it might help with the conceit of people also being able to visualize you in different spaces. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's so much that we could do during this pandemic and we only have so much energy sometimes, you know, so. Yeah, that's true. I think the reason we're talking about so many things that we want to bring back into our craft is because we have so much fun playing together and we get so excited and we find so many fun bits and the improv can get sloppy fast. 
our improv as Storm Chaser has always been not necessarily following the rules so closely. And we've done well with that. Now that we are doing this for a different format, I think the sloppiness doesn't serve us sometimes. But at the same time, we're still having a bunch of fun. And so it's like, I can't get too down on us for what we do. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about us doing what we're doing right now with this game take. Because I I still feel like during a show, we will be most successful and we'll have the most fun if we can turn our brains off and get out of our heads as much as possible. And when you do that, especially when you're trying new things, it's going to be a little bit sloppy. But as we have these conversations and we watch the tape throughout the week and we sort of like make notes on ourselves and and practice different things, hopefully those things eventually will seep into our bodies and we won't, we'll catch up. We won't be as sloppy. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question for you as I'm going through the show. Great. The interrogation room scene started by you just making a cool observation, which, which helped me a lot. You said something like, well, would you look at so smug or sitting there so smug or something like that? To which I responded, this isn't my first time in an interrogation room. You look so goddamn casual. Think this is my first time in an interrogation room? Look, I got three babies dead, okay? All right? And you're gonna walk in with that smug face after I found them in your yoga mat, all right? But I have, did you have a dream when you first asked that question about who we were and what the relationship was and where we were before I responded? Yes. I was seeing a funeral. You were a family member who was slated to give the main eulogy for my father. And you show up late looking all casual. And I'm like freaking out internally. That's awesome. I, when I was watching the show, I was like, oh man, I wonder... I wonder what he was thinking because you it, it felt like you had an idea. It really did. But that's the thanks for switching your dream on a dime and going with me. Well, that's part of the fun thing. I mean, you can just take your emotional state and port it into the new circumstance. And that really isn't too hard, I think, for an improviser. Once you get over your ego enough to be able to do that regularly. It's funny that you saw that I had a dream coming in. Because that's really the only scene where I feel like I had a strong dream at the top <laughs> of the scene. I think a yeah. lot of times I rely on you and Anatasha to have a strong dream coming in. And I might just say a random line here or there and not necessarily add to that. The other thing that's interesting about that scene is that you simply calling me smug gave me everything I needed for that scene. It reminded me of when we were talking to Juzo about his first thing with the emotion. Oh, Bish just gave me my point of view and I can ride this for the entire scene. I'm smug. So no matter what he throws at me and no matter what he does, I know who I am. And it made that scene super fun and really easy for me. Yeah, and I think you played that hard. You played that aspect of your character well, and it was very specific and it felt like 
you knew who you were and you had a strong point of view. And I thought throughout the show, all of your characters had a very strong point of view, which was easy for me to play up against. Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. Don't take it. Don't, I don't want to start complimenting you too much. Let's make this more broad, a more broad improv thing, because I think point of view might be like, if I could only, if I was teaching new improvisers and I could only teach them one thing, it might be the importance of point of view. What do you think about that? Wow. Really? That's the one thing? I, th- I think it might be. I mean, maybe I changed my mind with some more, more thought, but I, I see so many improvisers who will come into a scene and they'll have a point of view. Maybe they're happy or maybe they're in love or whatever it might be. But then as the scene goes on, you can sort of like see the improviser start to second, second question, second guess, <laughs> second guess themselves. Oh <laughs> second question. They start to second guess themselves and then they'll switch, you know, right in the middle of the scene if I'm in love with you and then they'll actually be like, well, fine then I, maybe I don't want you to marry me or something. I don't know. They'll, they'll abandon ship. And to me, there's very few things in improv more frustrating than watching that unjustified switch where I think if you just, if you just discover what your point of view is either from your scene partner or however it happens, if you commit to that for the duration of the scene, you'll be way more successful in my opinion. I love that. I think a strong point of view could do so much for any improv scene. And I remember our coach, Holly Laurent, saying that if you feel like you want the scene to change directions or you need the energy to flip, you can take anything personally. So you can take anything that your scene partner or something in the world that happens and take that personally and use that to justify a change in your character. But doing it just on a dime because you think that's what the scene needs can make the whole scene fall flat when all of the emotion is sucked out of the scene. Yeah, agreed. I feel like it's, it's when the scene is cut off like a balloon from a chair and it just starts floating away and everybody's like, wait, we were having fun with you tied to the chair, but now you're just floating away. You're not based in rea- reality. You're just you're full of helium and metaphors am i right oh man that was so deep thanks man yeah i want to give you two more compliments and that's it keep them coming okay first your spaghetti heart attack was pure brilliance well i don't know about that but i do know that my dad says spaghetti as spaghetti and (laughs) It makes me so angry every time he says it like that. <laughs> it makes me so angry. You okay? Oh, oh God. Oh, fuck the spaghetti. Fuck. Are you fucking ha- hell, the spaghetti. Are oh, you okay? That spaghetti. Fuck that spaghetti. Oh, and a fucking spaghetti. Oh, no. Oh, fuck Are you- my. Oh, my fucking clicker. Oh shit, my sp- oh, that's spaghetti. You shouldn't have that spaghetti. Oh no. Oh damn spaghetti. I ruled the damn right spaghetti. Oh spaghetti. Oh, you cruel, cruel spaghetti. 
I'm so glad you took it as long as you took it. It went on so long. Any normal improviser would have got scared and would have started being like, is this too long? Am I doing it too much? And you just kept going. And the longer it went, the better it was. I think that I forget where this came from, but it's like, if you're going to die in a scene, make it a big deal like ham it up as much as possible. Don't just fall on the ground dead. In improv, it's like, do what you're going to do, but do it weirder, do it stranger. Yeah, that was something where I continually tried to, to surprise myself in how I was doing it. So I was like trying to make myself feel more joy as I was doing it. I was like, how can I make this a little bit weirder, a little bit stupider, a little more tickling my funny bone? So I'm glad you responded. That's very nice. That concept of like slower, weirder. I think the first time I heard that was when the very, very, very first time Jet Eveleth played with us. And I think you and I were like wrestling on stage or something. And she literally came out and basically side coached us in front of the audience and was like, do that again, but slower and weirder. And she just, she like made a character to make it work, but she was basically just coaching us to be slower and weirder. And it's a great, improv trick yeah it really is there's something about doing it slower and with more intention and purpose that makes it so much funnier it's like if you're doing something weird it just makes me laugh i don't even remember the scene you're talking about but that it just makes me laugh at how that would tickle me as a performer yeah it was a lot of fun okay second thing i want to compliment you about fantastic and that it's in that same scene when i asked you to pull your tooth out you just were like, cool, why aren't you? You just did, you just went to do it. He's coming over here. John Lithgow's no, coming over here. No, you John, Lith John Lithgow's coming over here. Uh, uh. Shit, shit, shit. Give me shit. one of your teeth. Give me a, give me one of your teeth. Give me one of your, why? Ah, why are you doing this? Ah. Now put it in my food. 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 Nine times out of 10, a normal improviser, a normal person would go, what? I'm not giving you my tooth. Why do you want my tooth? And then it, it would just sort of like scratch the scene to a stop as we argue about whether or not we were, I was going to get your tooth. I don't know if that was you just going with the flow or if the improv lesson I'm trying to get to here. Yeah, because I think that also came from Holly. She was saying, you know, if you have an opportunity to do something like that, that would really inject a ton of emotion. Because if you think about pulling a tooth out, it's like, why not pull a tooth out on stage, right? But your character doesn't have to enjoy that it's happening. Yeah. So my plan with those things that my character doesn't always want to do is like, oh, I'm going to do it. I don't have to enjoy it. That will actually increase the fun of doing the thing and add all the emotional stakes of doing the thing. Yep. And it was great. Last thing. Last thing, the specificity in the interrogation serial killer scene of saying I found three babies in your yoga mat was such a random specific detail that 
I immediately pictured like three little babies rolled up. You know how you roll up a yoga mat? Oh, Just yeah. like rolled up in there. Super weird and super dark and super specific. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a weird balance to play with. It's like the desire to make something dark, to make something so odd that it seems that it can seem real, but somehow still tethered in reality. And you don't want to turn the audience off. I felt the line come out of my mouth. And I knew that if I was in a stage with an audience, I would have been paying a lot of attention to how they reacted to it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times when you can do something like that and the audience just instantly turns off. They won't go with you. Right. And I feel like if Natasha's in the show, sometimes she hears that response from the audience and she's like, oh, that turned you off. We're going to make it darker. We're We're going to make it weirder and worse. (laughs) Yep. That's true. She's great at that. I think, though, the fact that you were so specific and that the details were so weird, you sort of buy some leeway. Finding three babies in your yoga mat is you can get away with that more than, I don't know, I found three babies in your dumpster or something. No, but that actually happened to my roommate a couple of days ago. He found a yoga mat with three babies in it. So, I, you know, it's just, I just pulled from my real life experience. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you if that's true. I'm just going to assume that it is. Yeah. Anyway, those are all, that's the those are the only three things that you did well that entire show. I feel like there's a couple more things that I did well. Do you? Did you read your entire list? Are you sure you didn't write a couple more things? Um, let me see. Yeah, that's I think that's it. Oh, I had a question. Did you could you really not get that ring off your finger? I'll take that ring on your finger. This, oh, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Please take it off. I'm trying, I just, I, I put on a little bit of, uh, 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 slow down, slow down. This is not coming off. It's just stuck on this darn knuckle. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Let me cut it off real quick. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, no, it comes right off. But I... Did you not want to be seen without your wedding ring on? Because you're scared that if someone thinks you and Whitney were divorced, that Whitney would be snatched up immediately? I just didn't want to give you the satisfaction of asking me to take my wedding ring off and then doing it. Ah. Uh... You know what I wish I would have done? Here's what I... Here's a... What, not that I should have, because I don't believe in should have an improv, but something I could have done was use the ring as an opportunity to build my character a little bit more and to give my character a little more weight and a little more substance and a little more meaning about how the ring was important to me or that it was an heirloom or that it had magic powers or that it, you know, there's so many things that I could have used that as a jumping off point to build something of more substance. And I didn't. Hey, man, I had a lot of fun playing with you. And, you know, I've gotten used to how bad you are. So that means a lot, man. That's so nice. Thank you. No. Anyway, I feel like we had a good show. I thought there's lots of places we can improve, but there were also a lot of things we did that were fun. And even watching it back were fun for me to watch. And you made me laugh live during the show. And you made me laugh when I was watching the show back. So good job. I really, 
I really feel good about this show. Yeah, I do too. I had a lot of fun. I mean, I always have fun playing with you. It's a joy and it's a highlight of my day. Like I told you before we started the show, like I haven't really interacted with almost anyone today. So it's just such a delight to be talking to anyone, but of course you. Is there anyone else you'd rather be talking to? In the entire world? In the entire world? Yeah. Morgan Freeman, uh, Elon Musk, Bob Weir, Barack Obama, um, David Letterman, um, Eminem, Beyonce, Lady Gaga. Okay. I, Jeff Bezos. All right. I saw that going differently. Oh, oh, oh. There's something going on with Brie Larson. Oh, you don't need, oh, Duncan Trussell. You don't need to keep listening. Um, Howard Zinn. Yeah. He, he would be great to talk to. Am I, are you getting close to me? Like on that list? Am I, are you getting close J. to J.R.R. Token. Hmm. Um, the, oh, the, the, is he still alive? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, end the, end the podcast. Oh, 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 oh. Anatasha. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> I love you, man. I'll talk to you later. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He was going to get to me eventually, right? I was probably next. It's probably next on his list. We just ran out of time. That's too bad. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, would you please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify? It takes less than 60 seconds, and the reviews really help us move up the charts so that we can expand to this improv community and connect with even more beautiful artists. And if I'm being honest, we love reviews. There's nothing like sitting down in your PJs with a glass of cold milk and a piping hot plate of fresh reviews. So keep them coming. You wish you had seen this show we were talking about? Well, don't miss the next one. We improvise every other Wednesday at 6 p.m. on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash stormchaserimprov. Right now, we've got a limited time offer. We're looking for sponsors, and you can sponsor an episode of this show for as little as five buckaroonies. That's five U.S. dollars. Or if you want, you know, that's like 0.0000002 bitcoins, you know, or what, like a bunch of doge coins however you want to do it just reach out to us you can connect with storm chaser on instagram at storm chaser improv let us know what you think of what we're doing here ask some questions compliment my devastating good looks or anatasha's hair or just give us a follow you know one of our main goals with this show is to expand our community and connect with more people and we're you know hashtag team follow back you can also reach us on our website at stormchaserimprov.com thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.